Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast with your hosts, Rail Bricker and Lindsay Adams. And welcome back. Our special guest today is Leanne Lai Lacaba. Uh, Leanne is the CEO and co-founder of 2XU, uh, winner of the Stevie Award 2021 for Employer of the Year. And she runs an outsourcing company that specializes in hiring, managing and growing remote executive assistance for solopreneur and small business owners. She's based in Cebu in the Philippines. Welcome, Leanne. Thanks, Lindsay. And I'm super happy to be here. Excited to to uh, share everything else with you guys. It's um, you've got a very interesting background here. I'm, uh, I I went to Leanne's LinkedIn profile and I stole a bit of stuff off there. But I want to share this with our listeners because this is really good stuff. Um, she's been working from home since she was 15. Published her own book at 18. Became CEO at 20 and partnered up with her boss to start 2XU Executive Services at 23. Aims to help 10,000 entrepreneurs grow remotely and 1 million Filipinos to work from home. Uh, She has a coaching brand on YouTube where she trains virtual assistants on how to work from home. She's also an international speaker, content creation monster who has a blog, a YouTube channel and an upcoming book. Can't wait for that. Scale you. Um, gee whiz, Leanne, I'm really excited to have you here. And the whole virtual assistant thing is so popular in Australia and around the world. And today you're going to share the top five tips to succeeding with a virtual assistant. So hit me up. Give me tip number one. What's what's the story? Tip number one, and it's the mistake that so many people fall into, is just not have uh, basically just clarity on tasks. Like most of the time when we think of like, okay, I want to delegate this thing because it's so painful. But in reality, it might be like the main thing that actually is making your business work. Uh, like the top mistake I see people delegating right off the bat is their sales, doing their sales calls. I'm like, no, you have to like package it, make, make it in a way that people understand basically your business before you give it off to someone else. Uh, because people just fail on keeping in mind that every every part of their business has some magic sauce and then if you, uh, unless you're able to package it correctly you want to delegate the things that one is effective in your business but you hate uh, but you're not the person to do it like social media or copywriting those are the usual ones to first delegate or anything that is that helps you save time so i call it filtering input so these are like calendar management tasks email management communication management tasks those are the ones to delegate first and being clear on what that success looks to you that's another thing that um, i always give uh, clients or people who just want to start outsourcing keep in mind is just have the clarity on what you want it to look like and then delegate the ones that don't hurt your business as much as, as you give it to them so Leanne, tell us a bit about some of the the people that you have because you know we were in our chatting before we hit record. It's it's an interesting model that you run. Um, so give our listeners a bit of a sense of the people that work that you work with or work for you or for your for the companies around the world. So our executive assistants are amazing, if I say so myself, just because they, they they do go through like a really good recruitment system of making sure that they're right fit for both our own culture and for our clients. A lot of them, because our the way that our company was set up is we actually started literally right before COVID. Our first client we got in October of 2019, and we started growing from there. So we've kind of gotten a culture of 
everyone works from home, everyone supports each other, they have their own expertise, basically, like, someone is really good at website design, someone's really good at the project management side, and everyone kind of collaborates, even though they're working with different clients, to work really well with each other, just from all like from the comfort of their own home and being able to support their family in the best way that they can. So you don't have a building, nope. you don't have a place where you but 200 people sitting at a, at a squeezy little desk with a headset on, they're all working from home. Mm-hmm. They have that flexibility, basically, of working cool. anywhere. I love it. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, because, and, and that, I guess, leads us on to the second of your tips, because you have clarity. And so tell us about your second tip. So the second one is being clear on the one thing. So this is coming from the book, The One Thing. Um, The author's name is escaping my head right now. But it's basically knowing and giving that clarity back to your assistant of like, this is the one project that we have. Like if we were able to smash this, everything else solves itself a little bit. Uh, Because one of the things people usually make as a mistake is they think their assistant is a unicorn. They think that they can just do everything and anything under the sun just because they need it, uh, need it done. And the reason why this fails is then your assistant grows like different heads and everything is also scattered. So just because, and this is a very valuable feedback I got from my coach uh, years ago, of like, Leanne, just because you can do it doesn't mean your assistant can do it. Start parsing them out. I'm like, oh yeah, just because like I'm able to have this multiple focus, like a focus is supposed to be just one word, uh, doesn't mean that everyone else can do it. So you just have to keep in mind to have clarity on what is the one thing for your assistant that makes everything else easier for you, or it could just be the clarity on the one project that that they uh, can focus and and have done in your business that makes everything else easier um, as well for you. And so you you say projects, I mean, is that you know, delivering, I don't know, 10 social media posts a month through to developing a database or a website. Is that when you talk about a project or or are there a lot of your assistants sort of ongoing, you know, day to day, month to month working for a particular business? How does the model fit together? So it's very much one-to-one, like one assistant, one client. And when it comes to like what I mean with, with focus is having them focus on an area in your business basically so um of course we have like again i rattle off a few like marketing sales admin work i usually advise our clients to only have two or maximum three focus for their assistant to be able to do and not have them to do everything and what i mean with a project is something that they can deliver so for example on marketing it could be like hey you know in a week your three main uh, deliverables is you know social media content cleaning up my email or and also following up with possible leads it could be like what that could be what an assistant can be doing and it's clear enough that if you know, you just peer off of the face of the earth as a client, they still know what to do, even when you're gone, um, they can keep things running still, because they have that clarity on what there should be, um, what their one thing is. So are they specialists or generalists, these people, um, you, you, you virtual assistants? So they do they specialize in, you know, a couple of things? Or are they a generalist, they can do lots of things? Or is it kind of, it depends? Very much it depends on the client. However, most of our assistants are generalists. Like they will, because when you are trying to become someone's second brain, which most of our client of our executive assistants become is like your second brain. When you're following an entrepreneur, you can't just be one thing because like uh, I using myself as a prime example, I could be focusing this week on operations, next week on marketing, next week on sales, or all in the same week. I'm focusing everything inside of my business. And if my assistant was just someone who could do marketing, it's going to be hard for them to switch the next thing to the next thing. 
thing. So it has to be someone who can handle having that general idea of what, where things are at and also getting and, and also having that clarity of like, okay, now it's time to outsource. Now it's time to give this to someone else because the assistant has gotten to the point where they can't just focus on this one thing. Okay. So tip number three, what have you got for us? Tip number three is a really important one and one people usually really miss, which is documenting the work, which is creating standard procedures or checklists or recipes. People call it a lot in different ways. The simplest for me when I explain is like, let's make, let's say you perfected how to make the most amazing carbonara, you know, just how the amount of Parmesan to put, just the amount of cream that you put, and you never wrote anything down you can't repeat the same results over and over again. So a really good tip for when you are running a business in general, not just working with assistant, is creating the, that documentation, whether that's just a video recording of you doing it or actually writing it down in text. It's going to be important to be able to have those repeatable results in the future, especially, as like I said, like if you wanted to go on a two-week vacation, your assistant will know what to do because things are written down and things are documented So it's not just going to be in all in your head. Okay. And so, all right. So we've been through this clarity on the task. We've cleared the one thing. We've documented it. Hit us up with tip number four, because I think there's a whole lot of discussion around this one. So number four is, yes, you've set up the tasks. You've got to set up the systems. One thing that usually people um, fall, uh, where people fall is not having, uh, basically just having check-ins. So check-ins are regular ways where you can just see where your assistant is at. So for us in 2XC, for example, for our clients, I recommend for the first 30 days, have it daily. Like it, it sounds weird and like, what am I going to talk about for, 30, for 20 days basically with my assistant? But it's a good setup on what they can expect when it comes to working from you, how they can grab things from you. So really good examples, like for me and my assistant, we've been doing this for a while where I still do the daily syncs with her. I, I look at my to-do list, I'm like, that's been there for now 30 days. I can just give this to you, right? She'd be like, oh yeah, you can give it to me. So that those syncs make it easier for you to delegate. Plus, one of the things that when it comes to working with Filipino employees, um, and I was just talking to another person about this today, where we tend to, we're amazing problem solvers, but that also means that whenever we're stuck, we don't say anything because we want to wait until the very last minute where we can find that solution. So when you do these daily things, you can then just ask like, oh yeah, where are you out on this? And it'll be like, um, because that the shyness, it's all part of our culture. It's very much true, but it is there's different ways where you can get them out of it. But when you do the daily syncs, or if you, if you do it weekly, you can then ask, like, hey, where's this at? Do you need any help on this? Just that small nudge of like, um, yeah, I've been stuck on this for like a billion days now. Um, I've been doing this, doing that, and doing this. then you guys can problem solve together. So that's kind of like a really big one that people usually miss. They see, they think like, oh, I've now set up my assistant. I don't have to see them for another bajillion days. I just, they'll just let me know if, you, if they need me for anything. But in reality, that's not kind of the setup that you want at the beginning, because that's usually when things will fall through the racks because either they're too shy to ask for further instructions, or they're just trying to figure them out uh, by themselves. Okay, so so let me ask you, most, I mean, you deal with small businesses and entrepreneurs. And mm-hmm. my experience in dealing with small businesses and entrepreneurs is they are all power hungry and never want to give up control of anything. You know, so how do you get them around that? So there's different examples that I usually try to give. Um, one is, forget which, which I read so many books, I sometimes forget where, where I get ref- different references from. 
from, but one was that if if someone can do it as 80% as well as you, just delegate it because it's better done rather than it's sitting in your to-do list um, for the longest time. That's one of the first few tips I give to our clients. The second is I give them uh, basically the surgeon example. So imagine yourself as an entrepreneur, you're a surgeon. You have a specialty, you have something that you go in, you do it, you, that's how you make the most of your money. But then before the operation, there's a lot of pre-op work. After the operation, there's a lot of post-op work. Those things, they don't need to be done by you. They can be done by someone else. So you, then you can just focus on the, uh, basically we call it the 80-20 assessment. We assess what's the 20% in your business that you only you can do then delegating that rest of 80%. So it sometimes is kind of pulling teeth, but sometimes it can be really easy as giving those analogies of like, nope, you don't have to do this. Your assistant can do this. They, they can handle it. That's a, that's a really neat analogy, uh, Leanne, the surgeon, uh, you know, the pre and the post-op thing. Do you have... And and I'm. Do you have clients who come to you and go? I think I need an assistant, but I'm not sure what to give them. Um, can you help them, like tease that stuff out, the pre-op and the post-op tasks? Mm-hmm. Um, I I just had that very uh, very call this morning of like, um, I know I need an assistant, but I don't know what I actually did. So what we, what I usually do is I do two things. One is I ask them what happened yesterday. Walk me through what your yesterday looked like, and then I'll start pulling. Oh, I did this call. I did this call. I sent this email. So then I start writing all of that down. I'm like, okay, this can be given assistant. This only you can do sadly, but then your assistant can take care of the rest. Or if it's not a day, then I do the second part, which is what what happens in a week for you. Like what is the typical flow? Like oh, I send invoices on this day. I send you know I try to create a social media post for on these days. So then I start creating a routine for the assistant already, even just from, from that call uh, and breaking down like, okay, this is something an assistant can do. This is something that um, you guys can ha- probably hire and delegate to someone else, like creating graphics and PDFs by themselves. That probably shouldn't be something that they're doing for their business. Uh, but but those are like typical ways that I try to, like as a pulled teeth um, from uh, being able to a little bit of control freak to like, oh, okay, someone else can do this for me. Okay, so um, that makes really good sense. And I think that would be really helpful for a lot of people. Uh, all right, uh, tip number five, bring us home. What have you got? So tip number five is give resources slash don't be greedy, um, which connects really, really well with the uh, the previous one where uh your virtual assistant will not have context. Let's say even if they've had like 10 years of experience on being a virtual assistant or they've had five or one, they will need context on what your business is. So walking them through that day-to-day, that's why the daily things is so important, walking them through how your business works. One of the, the assets that we help create inside of 2XU is we actually have the assistant create like a business mind map. So then it's clear for both the assistant and the client like, oh, this is, yeah, well, this is where everything is at. Um gives them that context to keep going. And also part of resources is other than context is giving them training, like being able to like, to see and recognize, oh, I need someone who is really good at copywriting. Let me give you general copywriting a task just to test it out to see if this could be a really good one, because it always surprises even me, uh, me and our, our clients, whenever we just test out like, hey, what if your assistant can do this? And then they just run with it. And the assistant loves that new task that they're doing versus like what we originally hired them for, it can be always surprising to see where people shine. So just giving that flexibility of like, as you're experimenting, also experiment what what else your your assistant can do and give them the resources to be able to actually get it. Okay. And so uh, you also mentioned that a number of your your team are mums working at home. 
You know, mm-hmm. so how does that impact on the hours? I mean, are they still doing a 40-hour week? Are they doing 30-hour weeks? You know, what is the, you know, what is the the norm if there is a norm? So it is 40-hour work weeks. And uh, the way that it looks like is for most of those, um, funny enough, I just realized this, most of the moms that we work with um, have US-based clients. So whilst their clients are asleep, they're working flexible time, basically, since they don't have to be up at certain times. But even um, as we've had assistants who their clients are from based on Australia, based on the same time zone as us, they still have that flexibility as long as they're able to, one, be able to have the right tasks from their their clients, uh, two, have the context to know what to do throughout the day. Uh, they usually just have that sync in right in the morning with their client. And at the end of their day, they wrap up and give them a daily report of what I was able to do. Uh, and then they're still able to do 40-hour weeks and like I said, sometimes it'll be, they'll work from like nine o'clock to 12, basically, as their kid are, kids are in school. Now that school is back. Uh, work from one o'clock to three o'clock because if they pick up their kids at three, go back to work again at six after dinner and then finish off what they need to do um, for that day. So that's kind of a typical work day. Um, as long as it's there's that clear communication back and forth with the client, it's all good. So I'm curious, Leanne, about um, the education standard of of your staff. I mean, um, I'm guessing you have a, a range, and and you would again, I'm guessing you would fit the the perfect VA to the perfect client kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that a little. What's the process you use there? So again, it varies on the client's industry and on what they do. So for example, a recent hire that we just had, uh, he runs basically a financial advisory. So we wanted to look for someone who had some finance background and also did some operations. We just happened to find find someone who has an accounting background, works have been, has been working in a bank for the last five, seven years and been helping them run operations. So those, those types of applicants do where it's like a perfect fit of who we wanted. And some of the time it could be uh, just because like, again, mistake on, on uh, the usual, like for the tip of one and two, not, not having clear tasks or one thing, we end up hiring someone who is just has an engineering background. That's one thing that that has surprised us over and over again. It's like people with engineering background make amazing um, executive assistants just because they have that systems mindset already. Um, and then no experience on being a VA, but then can be trainable. So that's kind of like the the variation of the kind of people that we hire, um, depending again on the specialty needed. But most of them are uh, very much uh, college educated, has had some experience or um, in the case of even for my executive assistant, she literally just graduated from college. However, she's been working as a virtual assistant for the last year and a half. So it was really like, oh, that was an easy switch. So it depends on that variety. Okay, now this is a how long's a piece of string question. There may not be an easy answer. What about fees? Um, what, what would what would people be looking at if they wanted to hire a virtual assistant? And I know this is a it depends, but give us some ballpark numbers for you know, perhaps Australian listeners or US listeners of, of the podcast. What what would they spend? So I have long forgone on the thought that when you hire from the Philippines, you should think that it's cheap because it's now come to the point where Filipinos can charge a almost a US rate just because of, of the high skills that they can bring onto the table. So I would say uh, converting into <laughs> uh, AUD, but I'm usually on USD, but USD, it's 500 and above 
for, for a full-time executive assistant to start with. Um, for those who have um, higher experience, it, it probably will go up to 8,000 to 1,300, depending on where it's at. Um, and of course, working with an agency like ours, it's a little bit even higher because you're not just hiring an assistant, you're hiring a whole team behind them. So it really depends on the specialty that you need, but that's usually the range that I recommend is, is about 600, uh, 500 to 600 and up to start with um, US and then climbing on from there because the so thing that you want, yeah. Is it per week, per month, per year? <laughs> <laughs> definitely not per year. As it's, uh, you, you definitely want to focus on the value that your, your executive is giving to your business instead of just thinking like, oh, I can get this one $3 an hour assistant. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You can't I mean, even give the quality that need. You sure. Need. I, you know, anyway, um, I, I think there's a time and a place for everyone and it depends on what the tasks are, but... Um, so 500, 12, 500 to 1,000 or, or perhaps more for a month for a good executive assistant, I, th I think that's money well spent, really. Yep, yep, for the, uh, for the value that you get. Leanne, so if our listeners would like to contact you and find out more about how they could um, succeed with a virtual assistant, what is the easiest way to get hold of you? The fastest one, um, just because my assistant checks it every day, is my LinkedIn. So just uh, my Lee and Leila Kava. Or, of course, checking out our, there's also a website, just 2xu.com um, for more details as well. Fantastic, Leanne. Thank you very much for joining Lindsay and I on the Top 5 podcast. Thank you to my co-host, Lindsay Adams. This is Rail Bricker signing off for another edition of the Top 5 podcast. <laughs>